Hey, y'all, and welcome back to the Move Your Body Differently podcast. Today, my friend Brittany Braswell is on the podcast as a guest. In this episode, you are going to learn everything about her. I ask my typical guest questions. There's about five of them, plus I asked her several more that were not on the original script, but you're going to want to get to know her. Go find her on Instagram at Brittany Braswell RD. And those are in the show notes below because she is an amazing human being and I cannot wait for you to get to know her on this podcast. And then she is going to be on another podcast talking on a specific topic and you're not going to want to miss out on that one either, but get to know her in this episode. You are listening to the Move Your Body Differently podcast, where we talk about how your theology of God affects your wellness journey. I'm Shayla Darty, a Jesus follower, wife, mama, and owner of SD Fitwell. I know staying healthy and fit can often feel like an obligation and can leave you feeling defeated, anxious, and maybe in an endless cycle of losing and gaining weight and wondering why in the world you just can't get it right. And that's why I'm on a mission to see generations of women take back their health and fitness from the enemy and instead honor God with their bodies by exercising and eating healthy because we get to, not because we have to. For too long as women, we've been held captive by a never-reaching standard of body beauty, and it is time to break free. By seeing your wellness through the lens of the gospel, you can be empowered with boldness, more confident in the gifts God has given you, and increase your mental and physical capacity so you can be more present to those around you. If you're ready to feel free from the weight of your current health and fitness regimen, then keep listening. I can't wait to share with you how the gospel shapes our fitness and health journeys. Listen while you work out, drive in the car, or while your kids run around crazy, but go ahead and invite Jesus into your wellness journey and let's see how he changes our hearts together. Hey, Fit Family, I am so excited to have today to have my new friend Brittany Braswell on the podcast. She is a registered dietitian and a food freedom coach and also the host of the Joy Field Eater podcast, but she specializes in the treatment of disordered eating and which is different than eating disorders, which I do want to point that out. Disordered eating is a little bit different and a lot of us probably have disordered eating that we don't realize, so you should go listen to her podcast. Um, but she specializes in the treatment of disordered eating and negative body image and providing Christ-centered body image and food freedom coaching to Christian women who are just ready to break free from it and don't want to feel the guilt or feel the body shame anymore. And she does this through her own business that she has. She has courses that she does. She also does one-on-one coaching, but she is also a featured speaker at many conferences and has done workshops and um, done conversations and conferences for universities and also on stage as an educator and advocate to help women ditch the diet mentality, ditch food and body obsession and really find freedom. She also is married to her husband, Chris. You've been married more than 10 years or a little over 10 years. Yes. And you live with your two kiddos. One I know just went into kindergarten and you are in the heart of Alabama. I didn't know you were in Alabama. Where are you at? Oh, yes. We're just kind of in the Birmingham area. So right in the okay. right in the hub of central Alabama. Yeah. Awesome. Well, welcome, Brittany. If you want to introduce, I know I just pretty much introduced you for you. <laughs> but if you want to add anything else to the conversation, I'd love for you to share. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm super excited to be here, Shayla. Um, yeah. So like you said, I am, I'm in Alabama. I'm a food freedom coach. Um, and I feel like I'm in a season of transition right now. We have our, our little one that you mentioned, like our oldest has just started kindergarten and we're adjusting to a new work schedule and, you know, I'm working a little less because school ends earlier and we love doing all of the, like, we've got our little girl is in dance class and our boys playing baseball. So we are just in a really fun season right now where we're active with those things, but we're also practicing saying no a lot. Yeah. So we are protecting our our time and our boundaries. But um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And I'm excited to be able to join you today and hopefully have some good conversation that'll serve your listeners. Oh, yes, it will. So the first, for those of you listening, you know, my listeners, normal listeners, the first episode is always a get to know you because I just want people to know these people that I know. And I just think you are wonderful. And so the first question I ask all of my guests is what made you first start taking your health seriously? And I realize health can be a little ambiguous that may have looked differently at one point in time in your life. So you can talk about that if it, if it has, but what, what was the big motivator for you to take your health seriously? You know, I feel like even though I have a degree and a board certification and all this in nutrition, I feel like it was really once I got into a hospital setting. My mm-hmm. first job as a dietitian was a clinical dietitian and I worked in like different units working with people who had you know, heart-related issues or kidney issues or malnutrition or, I mean, you name it. I I, I read a lot of doctor's notes. I did a lot of nutrition prescriptive kind of things. And so I think it was really seeing how the majority of the people I worked with in a hospital didn't take their health seriously or didn't want to or didn't know how to. It was usually Mm. one of those things. And so patients in certain units were a lot less likely to have a desire to make a change. Yeah, And then there were some in other units that were like, I had no idea food or nutrition, um, mental health sides of that had anything to do with this. And so mm-hmm. you had some that were like hungry for the knowledge and didn't want to end up there again if it was preventable or at least reducing the risk. And then you yeah. had others that were like, just tell me what I have to do and then let me go. Um, yeah. And they're kind of there for the just treating the symptoms of whatever had brought them in. Mm-hmm. And so I think being in that environment, I was like... You know, nutrition, we hear the term food is medicine a lot. And I don't necessarily disagree with that, but there's also a whole lot more to it than that. Yeah. Because we can really easily slide into the realm of orthorexia and go, I have to have all this quote unquote clean eating and perfectly balanced what a lot of diet culture in our current culture deems as healthy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've seen that go both ways. So I think being in that setting was a really big eye opener to both the how important it is to be aware of our physical health, but also to not obsess over it and yeah. let your mental health decline in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. And so how do you, with your background, well, first of all, what made you want to become a registered dietitian to begin with? So I think I started on the other side of that equation because I wanted, I wanted to go into um, like medical or dental school. Oh, okay. um, I have always had an interest in the healthcare field ever since um, one of my best friends as a child fell off her horse and broke a bone and was in the hospital. And she was telling me about her cast and, you know, her surgery. And I was like, yeah. I want to be the doctor that fixes that. Like, that's yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that worked into like this interest in the medical field, which turned into maybe I'm, I like the the idea of dentistry because I had 
braces and I had all these things done to my teeth. And I was like, I feel better. Uh So in college, I really, I don't know what it is. I've always been a bit of a foodie. I love to cook. I love to do stuff hands-on. And I thought, Mm -hmm. dental is hands-on, but is there something else? Like I could have met the dentist twice a year, right? Like every six months. Um, But what's practical that people do every single day for their health? And I thought, food. Like, so that's where my initial interest in it came. Mm-hmm. I, t- I took a class, um, like kind of like one of the introductory classes to nutrition. And I was like, this is because it was yeah. still all the sciencey, nerdy stuff mm-hmm. that I liked. Um, but it also had this really fun, practical, everyday kind of aspect to it. So that's what initially kind of got me interested in the nutrition field. Yeah, that's so neat. I thought I took a health class in college and I, my undergrad's actually in elementary education. But when I took that nutrition class, it was really the only one I'd ever had because I didn't take anatomy in high school. Most people mm-hmm. have to take anatomy and physiology or something. Yeah. And I did not take that. I opted for other sciences. But I was like, in another life, not that I believe it, I like thought like I'd probably want to be, you know, I didn't know the word for dietitian, but I was like, I probably want to go into the health field or like help people with their nutrition and uh, lo and behold, you know, not not the same background as you, but I get to help a little bit in some ways. That's so awesome. what now with your family, you're talking about you're kind of moving into a busy season, you're working a little bit less, but how do you create a culture of health for yourself and your family? I feel like so often sometimes as when you're in the field, it can be easy to tell it to everyone else and then not necessarily always do it for yourself too. Maybe even still doing it for your family, but not always for yourself and taking your own advice because you're like, oh, I know this. It's fine. I'll be fine. But how do you do that for yourself and your family? Yeah. So I, again, like with health, I try to take into consideration lots of different aspects of health because when I ask my clients, like one of the first things that we do in one of their first couple of sessions is like define health. And Mm. or if I said, what makes a person healthy or how do you know if you're healthy? Guaranteed 98, 99 percent of people, the first one to three things they're going to tell me have to do with physical health, Mm. which is totally we want to be aware. Right. We want to be aware of what we eat and how we move and our stress levels and how our hormones, you know, are regulating all of that. But I also want to be intentional with myself and my family, especially with what I do to be cognizant of taking that mental health side of things into the process, knowing that spiritual health is like the overall umbrella. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. So if we prioritize our spiritual health first, it's a lot easier to make wise choices, beneficial choices in those other areas, right? That could even trickle down. You could include things like relational health and financial health and, you know, you could Mm -hmm. run the gamut. So we start with spiritual health. We prioritize staying connected to our church community. We do like Mm. a little, my son is like, learning to read and so we let him read our little like kids daily devotional bible in the evenings and we have conversation about that Mm -hmm. and then when it comes to supporting the physical health of our family we try to use include a variety of foods that is one of the biggest struggles that when you have a and you mentioned this at the beginning which i love that you pointed out i think this is the first podcast i've been on that someone was like let me just tell you there's a difference in an eating disorder and disordered eating I had explained it before, mm-hmm. um, but it's such a good foundation to have because there there's a distinct difference there. And so yeah. in order to prevent moving into the disordered eating side of things or having that negative shame, guilt-based relationship with food, we want to have a variety of things. That's mm-hmm. a huge marker 
of having a healthier relationship with food, that you're open to eating a, a wide variety. Yeah. So we, we start, we try to start with that. Although, you know, with kids, it presents a challenge sometimes. Oh, yeah. My, my um, three, almost four-year-old is like the queen of looking at her plate and going, ow. Yeah. Mm. I'm like, but, Mine you, too. but you haven't tasted it yet. And how would you know? You know, 50 to 75% of the time, sometimes more, she's like, mm, this is good. I'm like, then stop telling me it's gross before you Right. And it'll be something like grilled cheese and I put pesto on because my son mm-hmm. loves pesto and she'll see green oh, and she's awesome. like, why is my grilled cheese green? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, random stuff that's like so that. Funny. So, so we try to keep a variety and we use, we're really intentional in using very neutral food. Mm-hmm. Not like mm-hmm. we're going to eat something healthy with this or you have to eat this before you can eat. Yeah. Now, I mean, I'll be like totally transparent and say like there are times where my, you know, my daughter, especially my son needs a pretty wide variety, much less mm-hmm. picky. And my daughter is, a, it's a little harder to get protein in her. Yeah, like there are yeah. a few sources that she loves. And so there are times where I will say like, you've done a great job and I know you've eaten some of these other foods on your plate, but don't forget, you know, this. And so we, we do those reminders mm-hmm. um, that using neutral language around food. And then we love to teach our kids how to make nutrition. Mm-hmm. That is so important because we don't want nutrition to feel like an obligation or a job. Yeah. And we certainly don't we certainly don't want it to feel like punishment. Mm-hmm. Okay, well we did this today and now we have to do this. And you can't, you know, leave the table to eat your broccoli or your whatever. Like vegetables mm-hmm. are not the enemy. Um yep. <laughs> and so we try to make it even though they feel like it sometimes. <laughs> they do feel like it sometimes. So we probably eat a little less variety when it comes to vegetables because there are a handful that my kids love. So like yeah. something we've done to help with the fun aspect of that is I do not have much of a green thumb, but we have um, a couple of just small potted plants on our front porch. One mm-hmm. is a little like cherry tomato plant, grape tomatoes. And then the other one is bell peppers. Yeah. I, bell peppers are my most favorite vegetable. I'll oh. eat them raw. I'll eat them cooked. I'll eat them just mm-hmm. about any way you do. Unless you add something super spicy. I'm not a huge, overly spicy person. But mm-hmm. they love them. And so having them like having them get to be a part of like, we're going to water the plant today. Or, oh, mommy, this one's, this one's turned orange. Can I pull it off? Like, yeah. they want it. So that would be sometimes the first thing that they eat on their plate because they got to have a part of it. And they yeah. got to, or they got to help cut it. Or they got mm-hmm. to help wash it. And so when they have a part of the process... It really creates this culture of, okay, we can have a variety of foods. No foods are better or worse than others, mm-hmm. right? We know they are not nutritionally equal, but they're morally equipped, Yeah, right? Yeah. There's not one that's good or one that's bad. So we try to do that and then also talk about how does food and movement, how does that impact our body? Not mm-hmm. just the way it looks, but the way it feels. It's like, yes. what is this food doing for us? And we try to make it um, relatable to something that they love. So like, my son's gotten into a spot where he'll eat his food and he goes, mommy, I just finished my, you know, chicken or my beans or whatever. Now I'm going to be able to run even faster because my mm-hmm. legs are getting stronger. Yeah. Or, um, or I just ate this, you know, potato and now I'm going to have more energy and I'm going to stay awake at school today, you know? Mm-hmm. And so getting them excited about how is this food supporting your body mm-hmm. regardless of what it is. Not using words like junk or empty calories or this is healthy. So I think that has made it a lot more fun. And it's created this culture of like, we naturally want to do things that are beneficial for our physical and mental health Mm -hmm. because it doesn't feel like a chore. 
Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And that's something that we we do with our son. So my oldest is almost four at the time of this recording. And he, we talk about protein and carbs and, you know, the small, we talk about like small things with it, right? You know, we build off of it and we've built to the point with protein of like, it helps you build muscles, which help you do. He's like really big into pretending he's doing gymnastics. He's not in gymnastics, but he thinks he's doing it. And he's like (laughs) flipping around everywhere. And he's like, watch my gymnastics. And, you know, in those moments, we get to talk about like, this is what, you know, protein when you eat your chicken or you eat your pepperoni or, you know, X, Y, Z, you eat this. This is what it's it's allowing you to do. This is what your body is doing because you're fueling yourself well. And even with carbs, too, we talk with him. We're able to talk about like carbs that are going to give you fast energy and may make you sleepy and crash later or, you know, the type of food that's going to give you more long lasting energy and it's going to help you feel awake and alive and, you know, have that, you know, all those things. And those things can be so fun. He is my, so interesting. Yours are, yours are flopped. My oldest is my pickiest. And then my youngest, she, as long, honestly, if her brother would not be at the table, she'd eat anything. But sometimes she just (laughs) repeats whatever he says. Yeah. And he's the same way. He'll see something that's disgusting or that's yucky. I'm like, first of all, where did you learn disgusting? Yes. But I'm like, second of all, you haven't tried it, so you wouldn't know. And let's try, you know, let's try it and see what you think about it. But for him, we've even found that there was a lot because he was always just kind of picky. Like even though we did baby led weaning, all the things, you know, and they're like, oh, you're going to have the best eater in the world. I'm like, uh-uh. You know, we tried all the things. And, but Often, and I think this is a mindset too for even extended family, the more you talk about it at the table too of like you need to eat something, mm-hmm. you know, the more they're going to, if they're strong-willed, the more they're going to fight back at that. Yes. And that is what we have, you know, my husband and I noticed, but it's like also teaching our other family, like we're not going to have conversations about our food besides that this is what's for dinner. And this is what's on our plate and you can eat as much or as little as you like, you know, and we just need to make sure we try everything and give ourselves variety. But I think it can be so hard and it can be so easy for moms or, you know, spouses or even extended family to fall into that mindset because that is the cultural mindset of like, you need to eat this before you eat this. And just a quick side note, and then I'm asking you another question. I remember talking at a mom's group several years ago when I was pregnant with my first. And I was talking about, you know, biblical holism with our health and our fitness. And I mean, we weren't like getting specific with meals or anything. But of course, during Q&A time, all the moms turn it about their kids. And uh, they're like, how do you get them to eat, you know, whatever and not punish them for it or like reward or trades or whatever. And there's this one example. She was like, you know, offering, you know, wanting to offer them a cupcake or whatever. And I'm like, well, why do they need to have a cupcake to begin with? Like, why is that even, a th- you know, why is that even, a- and, you know, for them, they were like, you can just put it on the plate with them and just tell them they can eat whatever that, whatever method that's called. You know, there's so many different eating methods, but it was just one of those things where it's like, if you, if you don't want your kid to eat it, or if you don't want them to eat too much of it, don't give it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like when it comes to sweets, particularly, they were like, well, we want to offer some sweets. And I'm like, why? 
Like, why do you need to offer sweets? Not that that's a bad thing, but I'm like, why is it so important that every meal has a sweet? Yeah. Like, what's your own mindset about that? You know? Yeah. yeah. I know that's so very individualized. And one of the things that we, we try to do in our house, just kind of personal decision, is we make sweets available, but they're not available all, like, at every meal all the time. Yeah. Right? Yep. Like, we want, we don't want to reward with food or keep food away as a punishment. And so mm-hmm. there are times where we might, we might have dessert on the table at the same time as the meal. There are times where we might like get to the end of the meal and go get bass and then we might have something later. Mm-hmm. But it's not necessarily an all the time thing because there's no other food group that we serve later or right. there's no other food group that we're just True. like, we have this at every single meal. I have fruit at every meal. I don't have a vegetable at every meal. I try to mm-hmm. have something that's going to have, you know, carbohydrate, protein, and fat, right? Yeah. But it's not necessarily the same for every food group. So, yeah, I think it's it's a very personal decision. But mm-hmm. as a parent, you know, I feel like my job is to provide them with food and tell them, hey, here's when we're eat when we're eating, and here's what you're having, and then yep. you get to decide if you're going to eat and how much. Yeah. I'm not going to force feed you and tell you. You have to eat this particular food before you leave the table. But if you don't want it, we're going to leave it on your plate. Yeah. You know, it's not gross. Mm-hmm. I have um, a friend. I think Kristen was on your show a little yeah, while Kristen back. Williams. Mm-hmm. Yes. One of my favorite things I picked up from her when we were at um, a conference together last year, and I don't even know where the phrase or quote comes from, but it's don't yuck my yum. Yes. <laughs> it's like, that's so interesting. <laughs> Somebody was telling I'm me like, like that. Like, don't look at that food and say, yuck, wouldn't it something that I think is yummy? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a way to like honor other people's preferences too. Like don't make them feel bad for liking something that you don't like or that you don't yeah. even know if you like. Yeah. So so I love that. That's something mm-hmm. that we try to do as well. Like not just with sweets or just with proteins or with whatever, but like offer a variety and you also don't have to offer every food group at every or yeah. every type of food at every meal. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So. With knowing all of that now, why do you believe it's necessary to build your health and fitness from a biblical perspective? Yeah. Well, which is a little bit, a uh, little bit, you know, broad. Well, so. I know. I feel like this could be a whole, pro- probably a whole podcast episode in and of itself. For sure. Um, but I think one of the big things is that we're, we're called to be stewards of our, we only have one. We were actually at our, our, our church has like Wednesday night classes twice, twice a year. They open it up and it's like, you know, an eight week kind of mini semester of something. And my husband and I are doing this class on Christian theology right now, Ooh. which is so interesting. Our, uh-huh. um, our pastor, our, uh, or the, the pastor is leading the particular group that we're in is bringing up all, uh, you know, a lot of things he did in seminary. And I know you went to seminary. This yeah. is like all oh, fascinating to me. And we were talking about just, man in general and what does it what does it mean to be human and what's the difference you know just different aspects of christianity and one of the things that i knew but that he said last night that i loved was that you know when god created all things right in the creation story he he speaks things into existence right he uses his Mm. voice he uses his words jesus is the word so it's like this is happening through jesus you know creating yeah except man he doesn't speak man into existence he uses his hands and he forms man with his hands from the ground Mm -hmm. and there's something so special and intimate about the fact that god formed our bodies like 
yeah. is this intimate thing that he he created us. He could have spoken us into existence with his words, and that would have been powerful and beautiful. But there, it has that level of intimacy that like something that he values so much. He created our bodies before he breathed life into us. Yep. And yep. I think that that is such, it's something just to have an extra level of awe with mm-hmm. and go, we could have been a spirit alongside God, right? Not yep. equivalent to God, but he didn't have to give us bodies. We could have lived, you know, Exploding. spiritually, spiritually, <laughs> you know, with him. But uh-huh. he, he chose to create our bodies and he did it with his hands, which means it was very intentional and there yeah. was a lot of care there. And so I think it's our responsibility to to take care of that massive gift that uh-huh. he gave us as a body. We only get one. Yep. And so, yes, again, we don't want to over-prioritize physical health, but we don't want to ignore it either. And I think yeah. we live in such a culture that's like the extremes one or the other. Yep. Like, yeah. I'm going to overly like obsess and focus on my body or I'm just going to accept how it is and work you know if I focus on nutrition or if I focus on movement then that's body obsession and that is you know not I don't know that's like against anti-diet culture or whatever yeah yeah and you can live in that beautiful it doesn't even have to be the gray area the rainbow right like between black Mm. and white there's a rainbow it's not just gray yeah and so when we can live in that space and go okay there's some of both no, I don't need to be obsessed, but biblically also, I'm not supposed to ignore my body either. Uh-huh. I can take care of it well, can steward it in a way that honors my body, but that also is a means of honoring the Lord in the process. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And when you're talking about that, it reminded me of Ezekiel and when he's prophesying and the Lord takes him to the field of dry bones and he's like, you know, the Lord says, speak this over them. And you know, their bodies form and every, like they're moving and everything is fine. But it's not until he breathed the breath of life into them that spiritually and in their soul they came alive. And I think that's just such a such a reminder for ev- for myself and everyone listening that our bodies are purposeful. And like you said, he handcrafted that for a reason. And now, yes, there's the fall. We have damage to our bodies, but that doesn't mean we can't work toward Eden, you know, and wholeness. And, you know, I often say on my podcast, holiness is wholeness. And that's because spiritually, when we're pursuing holiness, we are cleaning out everything from the inside out spiritually, like our mindset, our emotions, our mental health, our physical health is part of that, that spiritual health, relational health, all of those things. That is wholeness. And that means, like you said, taking care of our body, but not neglecting or obsessing over it either, which is very easy to do in this culture, which is where we get to work in that space. Like yes, you said, that, yeah. that rainbow space. I love how you said that. Um, we get to work in that rainbow space and and bridge that gap. That's really what we're doing. We're bridging it from one side to the other and, and bringing people along with us on that journey and allowing them to find that freedom. And so in your practice, in your company, how do you help? We talked about this a little bit earlier that you get to help women, you coach them, but how do you help them through health, particularly health, nutrition? I would try my best to like give the readers digest like little points of this because I could talk about this all day because I'm a bit of a nerd. And when when I find something that I know is helpful, I just want to be like, you take it and you take it and you have some. Yeah. Same. So I I just really get passionate about helping women, especially 
Christian women, and I don't only work with Christian women, but I I work primarily with women who want to include the Lord in the process to some degree. Um, Mm -hmm. And so for a lot of women, that may mean they'll come in there like, Brittany, I have this really almost estranged relationship with the Lord. I feel so far from him. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know why, or it feels like there's this chasm or there's this gap and it's my fault or (laughs) the Lord's given up on me. And I love to reintroduce like the Lord is in the center of the process, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. Yeah, And so yep. I love being able to show them like, here's how, like, let's invite the Lord intentionally into this process mm-hmm. and let's see what's making you, you know, feel so distant. So I really like helping women go um, from this place of seeing food or movement as something that is, you know, obligatory or it's daunting or it's anxiety provoking into this place of like, it's peaceful and yeah. it can be joy filled and I can have confidence. Right. Mm-hmm. I can have a joy filled relationship with food, my body and Jesus. Yeah. That's something that I talk about nonstop on my mm-hmm. podcast yeah. because it's the name of your you podcast. Can, yeah. And so you can have so you can have all of those things um, when the Lord is at the center of the process. And so mm. some of the ways we do that, we I, I divide up the way that I work with my clients or my, my program into four kind of main pillars or phases of the process. Mm-hmm. And a huge way we start um, is really looking at. What do you believe? Yeah. Like, what are those things that you believe at your core? What are maybe the lies or limiting beliefs holding you back? Mm. Um, We spend some time. Which, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about in the next episode. Yes, we will. We'll dig into that a lot more. We dig into our identity. Mm. And pieces of that include, like, who do we think or believe that we are? Who do we, like, what do we believe that God thinks about us? Who are we really? Who is God really? Where are we trying to find? Like, where's our perceived identity coming from? Um, We look at body image related work. We move from there into kind of some more intentionality with how do we, I hate the term goal setting. So what we do is the joyful leader is game planning. Like I can't. There you go. I, we. um, Battle planning. You can. Yes. Because you can, you can make a hundred different goals. Everybody's got a new year's resolution. But unless you have a game plan to get there, it yeah. doesn't happen. So we take we kind of take the approach of like the the basketball coach with the clipboard going, okay, the goal is or the no pun intended. The goal of the game is to get the goals, right? Like we want to get more goals than the other person, but you gotta have strategy for how to do that. So we plan right. out so so I love getting really annoyingly nitty gritty with that process and helping yeah. women pick apart like, okay, that's the next step. But Let's back it up a half step from there. Like, what's in between going to make that step possible? Yeah. So we get really strategic on the implementation of mm-hmm. where to change. Because so many people, and you probably hear this day in and day out, Shayla, I'm like, I know what I need to do or I know what I want to yeah. do, but I just can't. Like, I'm too yeah. busy or yes. I don't know how to make that happen or mm-hmm. I intended I just forgot. So we work on that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now, do you do that in one-on-one coaching sessions? Like face to face, or are you doing that through like monthly coaching, which you're conversating through like Voxer or something? How are you working through that with them? Yeah, so we do that in a few different ways. Um, the primary way that I do that is through the Joyful Eater Live. So that's our live group coaching program where people are walking through the course content mm-hmm. and then we hop on a live call. Um, sometimes it's weekly, sometimes it's twice a month, depending yeah. on kind of the cohort or season we're in. So we mm-hmm. just wrapped up our last cohort of it uh, a bunch of ladies just graduated and we'll be kicking off our next one it'll probably be in the spring so the way i'm doing that 
in this current season is with one-to-one support. And then yeah. in the course, the women, I walk them through with a, like video teaching and modules, like here's how to do that. Mm-hmm. And then we do have a Facebook group where you can drop your specific questions and I respond to all of those kind of. And then yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, so there's lots of different ways we can do, but my, one of my favorite ways is through the live, live group coaching. Cause you get that actual mm-hmm. touch point. Um, so those are some of the things we do. And then we obviously dive into things like nutrition, education and, metabolism and yes figuring out like how do we not make this feel so scary how do we get rid of food rules in mm-hmm. a way that also allows us to gain like you gotta unlearn so many things about yeah lies that we've been believing about nutrition myths about body mm-hmm. myths about exercise myths um and so we do a lot of myth busting so that we can learn how to engage in joyful movement in a way that does not feel like you know an obligation because nobody yeah. wants to exercise if it's a have to on your list no one right. wants to eat a certain way if it's like, oh, well, I just have to do this or I should do this or mm-hmm. it's my responsibility. So we, again, seek to infuse the joy into that process so that you can learn how to trust your body again, learn how mm-hmm. to trust the Lord in the process and gain a whole lot more of that word that everybody wants more of is confidence. Yeah. I, I just want to feel confident in what I do. Mm-hmm. So, so my goal yeah. is to equip, empower, and then send off and say like, you don't need to rely on me or anybody else. Mm-hmm. I want you to get back in tune with your body and with the Lord so that you can confidently walk this out moving forward. Yeah. So when they're coming to you, for the most part, they're already coming to you knowing I want to ditch diet culture. I want, I need something different. And I know this, you know, they're coming, they're seeing what you offer. They're joining the cohort. They're not, they're not always exactly looking for specific goals, like you were saying, or outcomes like weight loss or, you know, that could be a byproduct of it, Mm -hmm. but they're more like, it's all mentality at this point. I need, I just need something new. Or do you have a little bit of both? I would say some of both. A lot of times, so I do like free consultation calls for women who are like, I don't really know what I need. I just know something's not working. Yeah. Um, and that's where I tend to see a lot of questions come up about weight loss or about mm. like, I feel like I'm just, you know, constantly craving something and I don't know why. And so I'm able to, from that point, direct them and say, okay, well, this is very likely why. And so through the process of one-on-one coaching or the course, like mm-hmm. you might, what often happens is that people recognize the symptoms of what's wrong and they don't know the cause. Yeah. And so we talk about, okay, what are what symptoms do you have? Is it like you're really frustrated with your weight? Is it that you are? And we're not focusing on weight loss, but that's oftentimes the concern is like, I feel like my body is out of control right? Mm. or I feel like I can't trust my body or yes. I can't honor my hunger and fullness because I'm hungry all the time and I don't yeah. know why. Okay. Um, and so it gives us a chance from there to go. Let's walk you through this process so you can see like, OK, where are those thoughts or physiological symptoms coming from that are causing you to experience the constant thoughts around food or yeah. craving or body obsession. And mm. they don't always know what those reasons are. So that is part of my job and privilege is to go, okay, here's what you're experiencing. You probably had no idea that there's yeah. these few things that could be contributing. So let's work through that. Yeah, that is awesome. So with that is our final question I ask everyone. And again, a little broad, but you'll have to kind of, you know, specify what is your favorite part about helping these women or men uh, through this process? And you said mostly women, right? Mostly women. Um, I have a I have a handful of male clients, oftentimes college students. I work with a lot of college students, too. I think 
just overall big picture, it's just really helping them get their quality of life back. Mm. Um, there's so many things that impact that from a physical, mental, and spiritual health standpoint. Um, so many of yeah. them feel like I've got broken relationships or so many of my college students will say, I just don't even want to go out to eat with my friends because it's, you know, I can't find a safe food there. Wow. Or um, I, I had a client recently that we got started together and I was like, you know, what is like, why now? What do you want to work on it now? Mm-hmm. She goes, I have no pictures of my freshman year of college because I couldn't bear to be in front of a camera. Wow. So being able to just give them that that lane to get back to a normal high quality i don't want to say normal because nothing feels yeah. normal right now but like the kind of life that they want to look back on and go i didn't miss out or mm. i chose i chose the things that really mattered and made a difference and yeah. yes obviously we can't go back in time from here but we mm-hmm. can make a difference moving forward so that the patterns don't continue so yeah that is one of my favorite things because I get to show them like how the Lord can play a huge role in that process if they let him so yeah. that they can let go of things like calorie counting and, mm-hmm. you know, trying on 15 outfits before they leave the house and, you know, not attending a social event because they have this exercise obsession. Before, yeah. Like, I have to get in X number. I have to see this number of calories burned before I can go or yeah. it has to be over prioritized before everything else instead of a joyous part of the process, you know, yeah. falling in place with everything. So that is, that's my most favorite thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you're seeing that happen in college students. And it's so interesting you said that because I was just talking to a friend of mine yesterday who does functional medicine stuff. And she was talking about how she had a college student come to her about some things. And I'm like, I don't remember really thinking about, you know, this deeply in college. And maybe I just wasn't mature enough, but, or maybe I was just so busy. I didn't think about her. I I don't, honestly, until I started my health and fitness journey in seminary postgraduate, I, I don't think I really struggled with body image or, you know, besides the normal, quote unquote, normal thoughts. But I love that the Lord is just doing something in that age group and breaking the chain sooner. And I, where do you feel like this is going to be my last question? I promise. <laughs> Go for Maybe it. I can't really promise, but we'll, we will start landing the plane here. But where do you feel like most of these people come to you from? Like, is it from your podcast? Is it through seeing you at a speaking engagement? Probably a variety of places or just Googling, like, how can I break free? You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, a little bit of all of the above. I would say probably 80% or more of the people that I end up working with have heard me speak in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, so on my podcast, maybe on another podcast on a stage somewhere. Um, and I think I love that because there's some, like for me, all the people that I've worked with, all the mentors that I've hired, all of the coaches and supervisors are people that I almost felt like I knew before I started working with them Absolutely, I was listening to their show or I was following along with them on, you know, a conference that they had spoken at or something, mm-hmm. um, because I think it's really important. I, I I fully believe it's really important to to trust who you work with because obviously like when you start a new relationship with anyone, a working relationship, a friendship, like there's you've gotta have that time to build trust and rapport. Mm-hmm. But you also wanna go into it, especially from this kind of standpoint, working with, you know, a trainer, a strength trainer, a nutrition professional, a recovery yeah. coach, body image professional. You wanna make sure that your beliefs especially align 
and mm-hmm. that the approach that that provider is going to take is something that you want. Yeah. So I've learned that um, the easy and the hard way with working with different coaches. I'm like, mm-hmm. I have I have learned and grown with every yeah. person I've worked with. And I've also been able to see, okay, they teach this one method of whatever the the skill or the strategy is. Mm-hmm. And then going, okay, I feel more equipped in that now, but that's not the direction I want to hit. Like, that's not how yeah. I want to do things. And so yeah. that's okay. That's why there are lots of people that you could choose to work with because yeah. you want to make sure that you're, where you're going is aligned with where the other person is trying to direct you. You don't want to be yeah. butting heads and going in the opposite direction going, they're telling me this one thing or encouraging me in this way, but that doesn't really, that doesn't really feel I don't want to say in alignment, that sounds odd, but like that doesn't no, really feel yeah. like the direction that God's calling me to. Mm-hmm. And that feels, something feels really off. So yeah. Um, so yeah, short answer there is usually like a podcaster speaking of it. Occasionally I do have their random, I don't want to say random, that makes it sound bad, but like the people who either are Googling something like, I mean, yeah. like Christian dietitian or Christian podcast. Um, and then <laughs> every once in a while, I'll get like just dietitian near me. And they mm-hmm. won't take a second to look at my website and they'll call or they'll email, leave a message. And they're like, I'm having trouble with some random thing that I have no expertise in. Yeah. So I have to yeah. call them back. I'm like, yes, I am near you. But no, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not like a general practitioner that can take care of probably a lot of different things mm-hmm. at, a, at a surface level. Like, like if you need somebody to work on your heart, you're going to call yeah. a cardiologist instead of your family practitioner. Right. 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 And so if you have a struggle with anxiety when it comes to your body or when it comes to the way that you relate to food like mm-hmm. I'm your girl like yeah that's what I love to do so yeah so that's a so roundabout yeah answer yeah. Um, but I think it's it's really important to know who you're working with yeah absolutely and I think that's just really important to in general to understand especially in this space and you know, I'm sure for the people listening, like I know some people who listen to my podcast, but I don't know others. And I actually had an email from a girl the other day. She's in Guam. And, you know, she yeah. like jo- started listening to the podcast and she was like, you know, had some questions or whatever. And I'm like, this is awesome. I love it. I'm meeting people all over, all over the world. Yeah. But it's just important to know in this Christian space, particularly like you do want that trust and you do, you know, when you see someone speak or you see how they interact with you on stage and then off the stage, you know, that makes a big difference for them. And I love that. And um, I love you. Also, you've talked a little bit, just a little sneak peek about beliefs and limiting beliefs, what your core beliefs are. And so we're going to leave that as a big question mark uh, because <laughs> we're going to talk about that on the next episode. But thank you so much, Brittany, for joining us today and letting my audience get to know you. And I know they're going to love you as well. And I will drop all of your information below, but go ahead and let them know the best way that they can connect with you if they were to go look you up today. Yeah, um, I I love to connect with people uh, through email. That's my most favorite because it is more personal. I love to be able to touch base. If you ever want to hit reply, like we send out a weekly kind of podcast VIP um, mm-hmm. note. Which I'm on your list now. <laughs> and so, so we send out like, hey, here's the episode that came out. Here's some little bonus information about it. And I love to just send out free stuff on occasion. Yeah. So free resources. Go to Go to here, go to here. Um, so yeah, you can connect with me. You can do that through my website at brittanybraswellrd.com slash VIP. Um, that's a fun way that I get to connect a little more personally. I'm also on Instagram, but I'm in a season right now where I'm on it less intentionally. So you can find me on Instagram at brittanybraswellrd as well. Um, if you want to hang out there and of course on the 
Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Brittany. And we will talk to you next episode, FitFam. Hey, FitFam. It's a blessing to be in this journey with you. The best thing you can do after listening to this podcast is to leave a written review so that other mamas can see the value in their health and fitness journey through the lens of the gospel. Be sure to tap subscribe so you get notified when a new episode airs. I am the most personal, personal trainer out there. My clients, app subscribers, and podcast listeners really do become my good friends. So if we haven't already, I'd love to connect with you on Instagram at SDFitWell. Shoot me a DM and let's start a conversation. I truly want to see the Lord work in your wellness journey and be in it with you. I'm so grateful you've listened. Let's get comfortable being uncomfortable, and I can't wait to chat with you in the next episode.